Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl that dumped me twice in a week? And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. All right, we're here with Obi, and we're talking about career path and trajectory and starting over and making a new, but not necessarily having to start over, but taking what you've already built and diverging from that and building upon it. So Obi, go ahead and run us through kind of what you've been through over the past, let's say, uh, what has it been like about five years? Yeah, yeah, okay. It's been about uh, three years. Three years. All right. So walk us through that. What What do you got? All right. So um, currently, I'm doing uh, clinical informatics. I do IT. Um, I work for a company that pretty much buys hospitals, and we just take over their manage their whole EHR system. Uh, for those who don't know what that is, that's a electronic health record system. So when you go to the doctor to the hospital, um, they Put everything in the computer. That's a system that we pretty much manage. Oh, I thought it was like HR, HR, like human resources. No, EHR. Oh. Yeah. So been doing that for a while. Um, you know, it's pretty cool. I mean, before that, I was in education, like uh, Randy said, um, was doing that. And all right. So, yeah, I'm doing EHR now, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, work for uh, a uh, company that pretty much buys hospitals. Uh, once we buy their hospitals, we pretty much uh, manage their EHR systems, um, which is pretty much for those who don't know, it's an electronic health record system. Pretty much um, we were mandated by the government to pretty much have every hospital move from paper charting to electronic charting. Makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's easier. It's supposed to be seamless. It's supposed to be um, um, just way better. Before that, uh, I was in education. I was teaching the youth. That pretty much started off with me just, I mean, it was funny, kind of funny how that even started. I was, I was uh, after I graduated in 08, we pretty much graduated into a recession. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, there was like no jobs anywhere. It was terrible. It was horrible. So I did, um, I was doing um, after school tutoring. Um, I got a phone call from one of the, the, um, the owners of the program. She said, hey, one of my, um, friends they need a substitute teacher um for second third grade can you do it it's like no i'm not doing that it's like i'm not doing that i mean i don't even you know i mean i love the kids but i, I didn't see myself being a sub anything so she said uh well you know if you can do it just just think about it just let me know so around that time it was around christmas time so i said i mean i can use extra money why not you sure. know so I'm, go ahead and do it so i went ahead and did it it was only supposed to be here for a week a week turned into two weeks, a month, six months. And they were just like, hey, like, we just want to give you a full-time position. I was like, all right, okay, no problem. So I, that ended up ended up being there for, what, about, what, seven years? Oh. Well, almost like six, seven years. Damn, a seven-year stint in education started with a, okay, I'll just do it for the money, and now you're in it for, for the long haul. Exactly. Wow. Which was weird, um, which was kind of like, um, it was weird because we were a private school that was government-funded. Huh. So at some point, that took a nosedive as well. We had to cut back on funds and things like that, so we lost um, a, bit, a huge portion of our of our kids because they couldn't afford to. They couldn't no longer afford to pay for their tuition. Uh-huh. So it then didn't become about the money, you know, because of course I took a pay cut, and it was kind of like, okay, well, what am I here for? But. I ended up staying because I felt like it wasn't about the money anymore. I felt like my purpose or my reason for being there was bigger than the money. And I had to quickly um, realize that. And I didn't want to leave. Um, I mean, I was getting paid close to nothing. But I stayed because of the kids. Because the kids, I felt like they really didn't need me. They, they really needed me. Yes. So I stayed. And, you know, we were trying to figure out different ways we can uh, build up our funding and then um, it was just it was it was it was hard. I think the 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 director, she was she she became newly married, and she was kind of like focusing on starting her family and things like that. So mm-hmm. we were kind of like in different directions. Like here I am trying to like you know get the school on on you know together and everything like that. And here she is having her family. So we were just kind of like all right. 
So I just kind of said, you know what? These kids need to be at a school where they can have all the resources that they need. There's no point of us just hanging on here. So, I mean, I, you know, culminated my first class, culminated my second class. And then after that, I told the parents, I said, you know, this is going to be my last year. I said, um, you know, I'll help you guys get them into good schools uh, to where they need to be according to their strengths, their weaknesses, like what will sure. be good for them. Sure. Placed them all in different schools and I left. And that was it. Then I came into IT. You left that and went straight into IT? Uh, pretty much. I kind of waited. I kind of worked on Teacher's Lounge. Yeah. I, I took off with Teacher's Lounge. Teacher's Lounge was an idea that I had the last year that I was in teaching. And that's even how it even came about because a lot of my teachers, um, we will always leave school like just needing a place to drink. And oh, wow. just a place <laughs> yeah, to like, and, and just vent, you I know what I mean? See that. Yeah. And then we, I have friends who were, you know, entrepreneurs. I'm, I'm more of an entrepreneur at heart. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it kind of worked out with the school because as me running the school, like it was helping feed my entrepreneur spirit. Yeah. You know, I, we always needed a place just to kind of like just uh, hang out, to, to vent, to share business ideas of how we're going to try to, you know, change the world. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if there was a place called like the teacher's lounge? You know, like where, you know, because I used to always wonder what was going on in the teacher's lounge in I did, elementary I did school. Too. Like, I did too. Pete and Pete back on Nickelodeon or, or <laughs> what was the shows where they'd kind of like make it, build it up to be like this cool place where teachers went and they were lavish. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so I used to always wonder. So I said, you know, let's just call it the teacher's lounge. So I had, I called one of my, uh, my buddies, uh, Juliet. Um, I called her and I said, hey, like, you know, you're in education, like you own your own, you know, daycare, you know, do you, how do you feel about this idea? She's like, oh, I love it. Let's do it. I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we just hosted an event and I mean, people are, in, you know, well, yeah, we hosted an event and it was, it was awesome. People are always asking us like, hey, Obi, do you know somebody who does this or networking? I need, yeah, networking. And wow. I said, well, I might as well just bring in my networking. You guys can just drink and do whatever you want. Build with people, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of just built from there. So I was doing that for a while, and and then uh, I was thinking about getting back into the medical field um, because I went to King Drew Medical. And King Drew Medical is a school where people go for, you know, when they're, they're aspiring doctors or pediatricians or whatever. Uh-huh. It's in the L.A. area. And everybody in my family is in the medical field, like, mm. but me. So <laughs> I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but I realized I didn't like blood. So I ran from it. <laughs> so I was like, that's not, I'm not, no. And especially me being Nigerian, everybody knows that like Nigerians are like, and Filipinos are like the bloods and crips of like the medical field. <laughs> so, so. Well, I didn't before, but now I do. Oh, right. <laughs> oh yeah, it's deep. It's I, deep. Was that deep though. I, I knew about the Filipinos. Filipinos are very big in the nursing game. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, knew that much. Yeah. And Nigerians are like right there beside them. So I said, you know, my mom was like, oh yeah, you know, you want to be a, a nurse, go to school and be a doctor, be a nurse. I'm like, mom, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm just not going to do it. You know, it's not for me. She's like, oh, they make good money. I said, but blood and fluids that's not enough yeah, that's weird. not enough for me yeah. yeah but that's the funny part about that the nurses deal a lot more than that than the doctors do absolutely right? so. absolutely exactly but you, there's that rites of passage that you have to go through mm. you gotta see all that stuff and i'm like i don't have a stomach for that so yeah. I, I couldn't make it like you uh. know what i mean i would get there but i don't know if i can cross i just can't do it so um i was good in computers, good in computers, and my buddy said, "Hey, you know they had this, uh, they had this uh, rollout like that they have to do for the government, and and you know is dealing with these different systems. Like, don't you know these systems?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with these systems." And he was like, "Oh, well, well, we have to like pretty much. Um, I'm a consultant, and I, I have to teach these doctors and nurses how to use the system." And I said, "Oh, I could, I could do that. Like, I'm a teacher. Like, I have a teaching background. I can definitely teach you know doctors and nurses how to." work a system that I know how to use as well. So started doing that, started doing that for a little bit. And I was just a traveling consultant. I was, you know, going to state to state, teaching these doctors how to use this, 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 this information. Oh, wow. So that was pretty cool. And then, um, settled down, settled down and, uh, uh, became stationary in Rancho. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at now. That's insane. That's a hell of a journey too. And that's a pretty big transition, but I'm sure you were able to take away a lot from what you've learned in education and the relationships formed. I'm sure you were able to take a lot from the relationships that you've uh, experienced in your education days and, and kind of transplanted that and grown on, on with that 
into what you're doing now. Now, with IT, I know there's not a whole lot of interpersonal work or, or teamwork or stuff like that, but there are projects yeah. and deadlines yeah. and stuff where you have to kind of work with different people yeah. and figure out how things work. Yeah. How do you, what's the contrast there? Like, how do you view the, the, the differences and do they, do they work against you to an extent? Yes and no. Um, yes and no. They will. It, it's it's pretty. It's, it's it's pretty impersonal. People don't really talk. They don't really have social skills. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of like everybody's like socially awkward. So being in this, being coming from a uh, a person, you know, a background of doing social networking events and work, you know, and working in education, it's kind of hard to not be as social as I want to at work because everybody's just kind of like in their computers. So it's like that was that was different. Like I've been there for almost what almost two years now, and it was it was just it was just different. Like the first like month, you know, you're walking in the hall, you say hi to somebody, and they don't say hi back. And at first, I took it as disrespect, like <laughs> like yo, you, did you just not see me? Like or being being in the break room and being the only two people in there, and they don't say good morning. That is the weirdest that's, thing to yeah, me. Yeah, so awkward. Oh my god, that is so awkward. Like yeah. I think there's something wrong with you. If you are, you know, in a break room with somebody and you don't say good morning, like that's so weird to me. So um, I think, uh, it, it, but it, but it's kind of worked for me again as an entrepreneur because I'm kind of like my own boss. So whenever I have projects or deadlines, like it's on me to do. Like my company is awesome. Like they just they just say, here, this is what needs to be done, and you're the go-to person for it, and get it done. Yeah. No, they don't, they don't, you know, they're not, they don't micromanage or anything like that. So I think it gives me this autonomy where it's like, if it doesn't get done, it's because you didn't get it done. You know, like you have to give, you have to be proficient. You got to get it done. You have to tell, like, you know, educate them of what's going on, you know? So as an entrepreneur, it kind of like gives me that, that, that sense of urgency or that sense of like, like uh, urgency is good. Yeah, I would yeah. say, but it's like fulfilling the, yeah. the desires of what you're looking for. Yeah, you know that just that that sense of um, uh, ownership, res- ownership, responsibility. Yeah, right. you know to get it done. You know, yeah. Because the question I have is, going from education, going to IT, is this a pit stop, so to speak, or or do you have like a grander plan for yourself, or is this something that you want to dive further into and and really take? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I'm 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 really like a chameleon. I've learned that about myself. I'm I'm really a chameleon. I will adapt to any situation that I'm in, um, for the time being. Um, ultimately, I'm an entrepreneur, so I have things that I have in the pipeline. Like I want um, right now, I'm working on Teachers Lounge again. Teachers Lounge is one. I'm working on mobile apps. I'm working on um, uh, a, a business for college students. You know. Um, all of it, I guess, at the end of the day has to revolve around education of some sort. So, um, for example, like the, the, the idea that I have for college students, um, I mean, I had an awesome college experience. I think I'm like one of the few people who graduated from college with zero debt. Oh, wow. You know, I graduated from college with a zero debt. I paid my own tuition and I had a 756 FICO score out of college. Wow. And I, I did everything that I wanted to. And I'm thinking to myself, like, how is that possible? You know, and pretty much like I've like since 09, I've been like pretty much like curating like what I did so that I can, you know, replicate it for other college students to do the same thing. So they can give them this self, this this sense of uh, financial empowerment to be able to, you know, have a chance of paying off their school loans. Or, yeah, but you don't you you know how it is to be in college. It, it's tough taking advice. Right. Mm-hmm. It's tough going down a path that you haven't already ventured down because it's um it's like yeah you don't know what you're talking about man it was like, no no this is me yeah no yeah. i did this i do know what i'm talking about right. now nah, you don't know what you're talking about you know it's like kids yeah. you can tell them over and over and over again like if we had the same advice would we have been any wiser i don't know you know so a lot of people like making the same mistake or their own mistakes to learn from them i i don't know i i for myself I didn't have anyone that I could really talk to. I, I, well, okay, I had a couple cousins I could have reached out to, but didn't. But even at at in undergrad, some of my advisors were temp workers, so I really didn't have like. Oh a, my god, that's terrible! I didn't really have solid advice, so to speak. Right. Um, so you feel like if you had that advice, you would have actually taken it? Absolutely, because like, when I joined my fraternity, I had fraternity brothers that were in their senior year as when I was a freshman, and they would tell me all these, you know, some of the things that you want to take into consideration or you want to like do now, so that way when you graduate, you're going to be in a better place. 
those are things that I implemented because they had been okay. there before me. But I think that's just a personal thing because I've always also seen like where my cousins have kind of gone wrong uh-huh. and done things. I was like, okay, I don't want to be like that or I don't want that kind of outcome. So I'm right. going to do it a little differently. Right. And I think it comes, it stems from where the advice is coming from. So maybe, right. maybe you are on, to, I, I'm pretty sure you're on to something. It's a brilliant idea. Um, yeah. I, I just struggle Thanks. with the whole kids accepting it because kids are fucking stubborn. I mean, right. uh, looking back to when I was in my teens and early 20s, you can give me advice, but with the advice, I'd make the same mistake. Right, right, right. Primarily because I want to see if it's true. I want to see if I can control something a little bit differently, yeah. make a change, you know. Oh, you know what? If I did this, maybe I wouldn't. But no, I'd end up in the same place. It's like, fuck, you yeah. know, if if I only had listened. Yeah. You yeah. know, and hindsight's twenty twenty. But I think that's a great, a great thing to give to kids and people in general because I, I think a lot of people would benefit from the advice and that's the advantage that we have now being in the position that we are our mm-hmm. parents gave us right this opportunity right. to leverage their experience onto our lives right now we're at a point in our lives where we could look back and say okay if i had listened to so and so i would have been in a different place but i didn't so i'm not but i'm here now and i have that knowledge and i have that insight to where i could take that and i can apply it maybe in a different way mm-hmm. so that it would be received and not just cast about, or cast aside rather, and neglected, and and, and regarded as oh, you know, they they're probably right, but you know I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, you know, you're approaching it from the from the sense of um, now kids will probably look to you more of a of um, what's the word uh, a role model. Okay, there we go. That's yeah. what I was looking for. Yeah. Role model, someone to look up to. Like yeah. man, this is a living success story. Right, so how can I take my experience and and morph it to more of his advice? That's yeah. a, that's a great point. Yeah, that's a great uh, venture. Thank you. Okay, so going from from education, yeah, uh, starting as a substitute, going to running the school, yeah. to making the transition to <laughs> IT. Yeah, is there is there you know what's what's the the goal for you? Do you have like a a dedicated idea of like what your career is going to be, or are you kind of just like taking experiences as they come, yeah. what's, what's the ultimate goal for you as far as your career? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I'm, I'm, I have a, I'm, I'm more of an entrepreneur at heart at okay. the end of the day. Um, but I think I'm an entrepreneur going through um, life class, just picking up different experiences in different um, industries that I think will be useful to the end result. It's funny because, I mean, it's like you see these, you see these memes on, on social media where they say, this is what success, this is what we think success looks like, yeah. but this is what it really looks like. And it's like all those squiggly lines and stuff like that. Right. Like, I think that's exactly like what it is right now. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, I'm just going through different industries, picking up different disciplines. And I think it's going to all be added to the ultimate goal, which is just me be, being able to live my life Yeah. and teaching others how to, you know, not live theirs, but being the owner of businesses that allow people to be empowered to do the same. Okay. You know, and me just getting paid to live my life pretty much. Yeah. And that's about it. I feel you. You know, it's, it's one of those things I, I realized, I think when I was 23, when I finally realized, okay, what I thought I was going to be doing, because now at at 31, I feel like it's, it's a little different or it's a variation of certain things. But at, at then I always felt like I was the best at bringing out the best in those around me, right? right? right. I was, I was very good at tapping into potential and getting people to the next kind of level. Now, now at 31, I feel like all these different things that I was a part of, like, okay, I may not have been the best songwriter, but I can, I can bring in the best people for, to create an amazing songwriter. I may not be the best photographer, but I have a great eye. And as far as directing, okay, well, this is what my vision is. I may not be the best like for editing over the cases. So I, I completely get that because I know when I was, when I was younger, or even now, when I talk to my students, I yeah. tell them, you know, once once it clicks, once you figure out what it is that you're you're supposed to be doing, yeah. you're gonna look back and realize that's exactly what you've been doing the entire time. You just didn't realize that you can make this into a career. Right, right. Now, all the things that I've been a part of, all the things that I've uh, ventures I've I've started or have you know tried to start, whatever the case is, it's all come to like a head for me now in the sense of working in film mm-hmm. and and creating in that in that component like all the different aspects from from the music side of things from the photography side of things and even now just yeah. working on smaller uh, film projects just to work on on my film i felt like it was it was you know the last 10 years of learning all these different things exactly. just to get 
to the project I should be working on today. Right, right, exactly. I mean, and I, th- and I think that's exactly why I was able to successfully, um, and when I say successful, uh, successfully run the school was because I went through all the avenues. Like I was the, the you know, the sub. I was, you know, the, um, the, the after school tutor. I was all these things so that when I was the vice principal, it was, even though I never went to school for it, it was it was easy for me to do because I was polishing all these different skills and all these different disciplines to be at that level. So when I when I kind of saw that, I said, "Okay, I think I see what's going on." You know, I'm going through all these different industries to pick up these things so that I could be a better entrepreneur at the end of the right. day. Right. You know, and what I'm going to be doing exactly, who knows? I mean, that's that's the life of entrepreneur. Entrepreneur can do whatever they want. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, I'm I'm kind of you know it's kind of exciting. I'm excited, yeah, to see what it's going to turn into. Yeah, because you know? I mean, you know, you don't know what the next idea you're going to have is, and where it might take you. Exactly. Not only that, but you have built so many different skill sets, and you you have an eclectic uh, mix of experience that it brings to the forefront something completely unique, and that's right. that's a great part of entrepreneurship. No entrepreneur, no two entrepreneurs are the same. Primarily because they all have different backgrounds. Right. And I, I really kind of level with that in the sense that the homegrown talent is always going to be the best for the job. And that might not always be right. Maybe I shouldn't use the word always, but more times than not, the homegrown talent is going to be right for the job. Right. Primarily because you've experienced everything that you've experienced coming up the ladder. And you have coalesced all those experiences and adapted yourself in so many different ways. And you know what the guy all the way at the bottom has to deal with. Right. So you're able to take that knowledge and at the top impart change that will benefit everyone all the way down. Exactly. But what if, what if they need to switch things up? And that's why they bring you into the new company because nobody there has the same experiences that you have or has the uh, the lineage or whatever you want trajectory that you've had to bring that new perspective or make the adjustments or take the company where it needs to go. That's so I, just just to combat the idea of the homegrown talent is always the best talent. Right, it might not always be the case. Right, you might. You're right. It might be more of a a toxic thing. It might be the direction that the company doesn't want to go. Right, or or the entity doesn't want to go, but. In essence, in my opinion, really, those leaders are the best. I mean, you see the uh, supervisor or line worker turned CEO. You know, you don't see that often. But those leaders are often the most empathetic, most understanding exactly. people. I mean, I mean, it goes it goes without saying. They say, uh, in order to be a leader, you need, you need to know how to have been a follower. You know, in right. order to, to to be a good leader, so you have to know where you've been in order to know where you're going. That's why the person who's homegrown will have that extra edge because they know this, they've done it. You know, you can't tell them anything about it because they've done it. And I think it's like my, me and my mom, we always go through these conversations. Like when I was going through this transition, she would tell me like, "Oh, why don't you go back to school? Like school, 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 school." Immigrant parents, school, 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 and it's like right. I'm, I have a very obscure outlook on school. I feel like experience is the best teacher because you can't like there's certain things you just can't get from a book. You know what I mean? And even even CEOs Absolutely. will will pick out somebody who's like done it before somebody who graduated in it. You know what I mean? Because right. it's like that person has, and I mean, and even in a, a lot of different fields. Uh, I think one of my sisters. She, when she graduated from nursing school, it was hard for her to get a job. And it's crazy because my mom was telling me to go to this, go to the school for the same profession that my sister was having a hard time landing a job after she graduated from nursing school. And the only reason was because experience. A lot of companies didn't want to hire her because Kaiser, being where she's at now, they didn't want to hire her because she didn't have that two year experience. Right. So her whole thing was, well, how do I? get a job, how do I get the experience if nobody will hire me? So it's funny because the company that I work for now, we, the, uh, one of the, uh, one of the hospitals that we own, Cincinnati, they gave her that experience that she needed to now be at Kaiser. Really? Yeah. So it's kind of like, I, I completely get that. And I, I, it's something I struggle with and I don't know if I want to bring this up now, but like with the height of the election, I started thinking yeah. about getting back into the classroom, not mm-hmm. just as 
a student, but also as an educator, right? Yeah, Wanting to get yeah. involved and, you know, get back into the high school level and maybe teach government and get, you know, kids more politically aware, more involved in just understanding of what's going on. Because I feel like that's there's kind of a, a gap there. Yeah. That would be one of the only reasons why I, where I would see myself going back to school to get those particular credentials to be able to do To that. hone in on those skills. Right. Yeah. But for... All the things that I, I have been wanting to do and where I see myself going, getting a, a, a degree or a master's degree specifically just doesn't seem to add up. It's right. one of those things where, you know, I kind of play with the idea because it it would be free. Yeah. But my time could be spent better doing other things. Absolutely. And, and I don't think a master's degree is necessarily going to take me where I want to go. Absolutely. And, and, it's, and it's hard for me to really accept that sometimes because I feel like, Growing up, you know, the key to everything is going to be education, education, education. Mm, yeah. And education may not come in a formal experience, like through right. an academic institution. It right. could come from your experiences. Right. You know what I mean? But learning that has been a very tough lesson for myself. Yeah. I don't know if it, it's tough for you because you come from a family that's very focused on Education, education and you're kind of going against the grain with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, I, this is, this is my life, you know, um, and I'm, I'm confident in my life. So it's not to say that what worked for my mom or what worked for my dad or my aunties or my uncles or anything like that is not true. It's just not contingent with my life. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, my mom, she did very good for herself, you know, considering she was an immigrant parent, um, came from Nigeria to America, raised five kids, you know, owns a beautiful home in Inglewood. She's done good for herself. That's what worked for her. And I think for a lot of uh, a lot of um, us millennials, I think we are trying to fit what worked for our parents and coming from the industrial age in this new information age. And there's some nothing that is totally um, uh, not valued is just that. Everything where we were promised, oh, you know, you go to go to high school, go to college, get a job, work there for 40 years, live happily, you know, have 2.6 children, a dog, you know what I mean, nice car, and live happily ever after. That's right. not the case. Right. You know what I mean? It, it, it may work for some people, but like a small few. But for the most part, it's not working for all of us. Right. It's definitely not working for all of us. And I think we kind of got here and we're like, wait a minute, where's this job that I was promised? Right. Where's this bright future that I thought? Yeah, you know? and that has a lot to do with the sense of entitlement that millennials carried because of that mentality. Because right? of that, right. And that right. kind of fucked us all up, I think. But I mean, I'm sure there's entitlement, yes, but isn't there also an aspect of, not to say your promise, but if you're told to go through these particular steps, steps. and it's going to give you this and That generated outcome? the entitlement. That really did generate the entitlement. Because if we, if we went without that preconceived notion that we're, if we did X, we would get Y... We would not feel entitled to something, but when we're promised something and it doesn't happen, there is a sense of entitlement that's tied to that emotional letdown being, well, I gave you mine uh, or I, I gave you, I gave I you my a, part. I did my part. Now where's mine? Right. right. There you go. Thank right. you. So it all comes down to, uh, you know, getting what you feel is, is your due and in essence, that's entitlement. Is it though? Is that is that entitlement? Because I, I I feel like entitlement is you do nothing and you want something in return. Right. It could be both. Okay. It could be both. But I think that is a sense of entitlement that we carry that chip on our shoulder. And because of the whole economic downturn and what happened when we were graduating, that really fucked us up. That really fucked the economy up. That fucked a lot of people up. And essentially, the American dream was transformed. Right. And now it is what you will make of it. Yeah. Exactly. Anything that you want is now the embodiment of the American dream. Now we're set to find our own path, you know, and that's why right. there are so many entrepreneurs now and I love it. It's right. great. It's a really great time to be alive. I, th right. I really think it is. The only gripe that I have is that it, there, there isn't an easy way about finding that path. You really need to go through and get the experience. How do you get the experience? Well, you need someone to kind of go out on a limb and, and give it to you. Yeah. What if you don't have that opportunity? Then you have to fall back on something, you know, and we were at a point where education didn't, didn't help us at all. You know, right. it was like, okay, well you need education and you need this experience. Well, how the fuck am I going to get this experience? Right. But I have this education. No one's giving me a shot, you right. know, right. but I have this education. Right. 
And all it took was one person to say, okay, here you go. Yeah. For you and for me. I know the same thing happened to me. Same thing. I wanted something. I couldn't get it because I needed experience. I kept trying and trying and trying and trying. We finally got that experience. We finally got that know-how, and now we could take that and bring it into our own avenues, right? Exactly. And you're doing something really great with your entrepreneurship. And I hope to be there one day. I mean, I really talk about the same thing. I mean, I was going after my MBA and thinking that that was the right path and education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardcore. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now, you know, after having conversations with my wife and my father and a lot of friends in my in my inner circle, it, it came to that point where. Like Randy said, is a master's degree really going to give me all that that I desire? No, it's going to be really focused, specialized set of skills, but I'm not that kind of person. Right. I've I've reflected on this a lot. I'm not that kind of person. What do you mean? What what aren't you? I'm not a, a, a very specific-minded kind of person. I am a, I want to be as diverse as I, I can be. Not necessarily the jack of all trades. I want to be strong in everything. And I will build up all my weaknesses to be strengths over time with the experiences that I garner from all the different relationships and all the different things that I am a part of. I think that I, you know, I, I want to do it all and be it all and know it all. And, and, and that's my personality. I've always been that way. Why fight it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Career wise and personality wise. I think that that's where I'm at. And right now, I mean, you know, I got a new job starting this whole thing. Is it a forever thing? I would like it to be. I mean, I work for an awesome company, Yeah, you know, but I know it's not going to be a forever thing and it shouldn't be a forever thing. I don't think we should fall back on a career and, and look at it and be like, that is where we can derive success now. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. I meet people every day. And uh, most recently I met someone at Comic-Con, uh, a, a really great mind, older gentleman. And I'm looking to him uh, for a lot of a lot of answers to things, and the one thing that you that he said that persiv- that that resonates with all the different people that I meet is you cannot get rich off of a salary. Absolutely not. <laughs> but that was the case at one point yeah. in time, right? Yeah, yeah. But that has completely changed now. We are in a com- completely different era. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny because um, again. That thing that we were taught, that we were promised, I feel like um, I'm at a good place in my life. Um, I'm I'm blessed with a with a nice you know salary or income or whatever you want to call it. But in most cases, somebody asked me. Somebody was like, "Well, well, Obi, well, um, do you have to still do you know pursue entrepreneurship?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." Because I'm not, I'm not built to like my parents were. I'm not built like the industry, you know, and does, people who were, you know, like, like the baby boomers, right. where this job is okay, you know, or it's enough based on where I want to go. And after I do the numbers, and I'm like, well, but after I do all the numbers and I put pen and paper, it's not a good place to for me to, you know. And, and no offense to anybody who's just like they just want to work for everybody the rest of their has life. their own role. Everybody right? has their own role, right. but. I mean, and trust, I would love to just be here and be com- be comfortable and be okay. But because I know that there is more and I want to do more, it's almost it can almost become my prison, if that makes sense. If I chose to stay here. Right. You know oh, what okay. I mean? I thought you meant like the, the perpetual continuing to just go after these these ideas and like that becoming your prison. Like the you entrepreneurship. Never, right. Cause like almost <clears throat> it, it could go both ways. Or other, right, other way around. I know, but yeah. what's, what's the word when you're insatiable, essentially like you, you're just never happy with your, you know, yeah, you're never content. Oh right. yeah. Yeah. The unquenchable thirst for success. Yeah. Right. So to speak. Right. And that could become like a prison of sorts. If you're never going to be able to like break out of that. It right. could. Yeah, absolutely. could. But I, I, I saw where you're coming from. It's a duality though. I think I, yeah. I agree with both. In a sense, and disagree to an extent with both. But, um, you know, the grind, uh, and we talked about this in a pa- in past episodes before about, you know, being a leader or follower and not everyone wants to be a leader. My argument is very firm and, and, and will never change. Everybody at one point in time wants to be a leader of something. Yeah. And then they have that decisive moment in their life where they decide, this is no longer for me. I'm just going to be a follower. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm glad you brought that up because didn't you have an interaction with somebody where they just never wanted to be that leader? Yes, there was that person. Yes, there, there, there are those people out there. But again, I never got into it with them 
and, and tried to get it out of them to where, what changed, you know, when did that change? And they never told me that that ever changed or, or that was a new formulation. It was just a conversation where I was like, well, you never want to go this route. There could have been something along their way. Like even when they were in middle school or whatever, yeah. you know, like class president. Oh, I did it. I don't want to ever be a leader again. It's not for me. And that's it. And, that, and that's all it might take for someone, and, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. No. There's right. absolutely nothing. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, if that's you, the worst thing you could do is try to be somebody you're not. Oh, yes. I totally agree. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? That's the it's, worst thing anybody could do. That's not our generation, I don't think. Our generation. Well, mm, okay. Social media aside. Right. With this obsession of authenticity. Yeah. In reality, yes, you, you, you should definitely not force yourself to be someone that you're not. Yeah. Um, but I think social media kind of throws a, what's the whole thing? A wrench, in the, a wrench in the gears when it comes to being authentic and right. being someone yeah. that you're not. Because yeah. it, it's, so, it's, so, it's such a weird so, thing to be authentic on, online or any type of social media because everything is a facade that you're building. Yeah. Just, I, but I digress. I'm sorry. You were yeah. going to say? <laughs> um no, I think uh, one thing I went to, I had the opportunity uh, to go to a, a tech conference in San Francisco about a week or two ago. Um, and Ben Silberman, um, I'm not sure if you guys know who that is, uh, creator, one of the creators of Pinterest, um, mm. he spoke. And he said something that was just so awesome and it was just so straightforward. He said it got to a point where his wife said, either do it or stop talking about it. Wow. Like, period. I've been there with my wife. <laughs> no, and she's a lot of the driving force behind my success. I, I will give her that. And and women, they have a weird way of kind of motivating. You know, the whole saying is, uh, behind every great man, there's a great woman, right. or an even greater woman, I would argue. Yeah. yeah. Um, they are good decision makers. They are good at you know, seeing through the bullshit because they're with you all the time. You right, know, they're right. like, oh, fuck you, man. You know, just do it. <laughs> it, it gets down to that. Yeah, and yeah. she's a lot of the reason why we're doing this podcast today. Nice. You know, we were talking about it and, you know, Randy just went about and just said, yeah, let's do it. But I was going back and forth. I was like, should I? She was like, just fucking do it. You know, right. what, what's the harm in it? Yeah. As long as you're going to take it seriously and you're going to pursue it, just do it. Yeah. I honestly didn't know that. That's news to me. I think I have to get her a nice Christmas gift now. I didn't <laughs> a lot of the great, a lot of the great decisions I made in my life are because of her. Uh, this recent promotion that I've gotten because of her. She just said, "Do it." I'm a lot more apprehensive because I have someone else to to worry about and a family right, now to exactly. worry about, right? Absolutely. But when I have her support, it gives me a little bit more clairvoyance. It's like, yeah, you know what? This is a good idea. Why yeah. not? Yeah. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, let's play it safe now. I got a lot more to wager. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing with a lot of great, a lot of great people. They have relationships and committed relationships and families. They might not necessarily want to take that risk, but then you have your, your other half, you know, the 50% saying, do it. Yeah. You're already on the fence, leaning toward do it. You have that push and you're like, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. What do you have to lose? Yeah. You know, as long as you're not, you know, investing millions of dollars in something or money that you don't have into something, then by all means, pursue it. So in essence, when you take a step back and you look at everything that you're going to do, you put together a, a rough idea of how to do it. And I think we were talking about this offline, right, about planning. And I am very impulsive, spontaneous. I've always been this way. Um, how about you, Obi? What's your personality? No, I'm like, like your, I'm like your, um, your wife. I'm very methodical. Very planned. And planned. Yeah. Yeah. So you have something to stick to it. So, yeah. I, I mean... I, I, I know Randy is, is kind of like a mix of the two. He hasn't yeah. really found his, his, his unique voice yet. Wow. Thanks. No, you're, you're averaging out experiences, and you're still going through that, and that's great. Yeah, I, yeah but I, I would say a bulk of the decisions that I make, which may appear risky, have been very calculated for me. I've already thought about these decisions and weighed out all the pros and cons before I made the you know, decision. So where people might think I'm a, I'm a risk taker of sorts, it's not actually... As big of a risk as it seems. It's calculated risk. Yeah. Yeah. It's In essence. Yeah. yeah. So me, I set lofty goals and expectations, and I put myself in very difficult situations to find a way out of it. I lived throughout most of my college life with no more than $7 in my bank accounts, but everybody <laughs> around me was convinced that I was rolling in the money just because I would always keep myself close to zero. The closer to zero I got, 
the more I had to focus, the more I had to work to get myself out from zero. Right, right. Kind of hit rock bottom, but not rock bottom, but you're kind of like redlining at rock bottom, and you're using that as a motivation to keep you guys going forward? I wouldn't say as a motivation. I, I would say it's more of a way of life until maybe about a year ago. Now is, I would say over the last year, is the first time I've really built up a savings. Before that, it was never uh, possible because I had so many loans, school loans especially. So financially, I was already stretched. So what about you, Obi? I mean, have you <clears throat> ever come to a time where that was kind of a lifestyle or maybe a way that you kind of leveled yourself? Uh, absolutely. I mean, to know me is to know I have like a car fetish. Like I love cars. But I think I, I used to have that same kind of, I won't call it backwards mentality, but that it, same. It is kind of backwards. It's kind of backwards. <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I explained it the exact same way to like my mom and like my, my aunties because I'll go and like buy, like cash out a car. When I was younger, like in college, in college, I had like a, uh, what did I have? A Infinity G35 coupe mm. cashed out. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And my mom was like, what are you doing? Like, you could have bought, you use that as a down payment for a house. And I'm like, why? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To me, I felt like it was be motivation because I'm like, well, if I just spent this much money on a car now, then one, I have to, one, get that money back. And then two, like, it ha like my next car has to be better than this car. So whatever how whatever is going to motivate me going forward is going to have to put me at a different level at a better level, like you know what I mean. And you can't be worse than where you are now, exactly, right? Yeah. And that's that's I firmly believe in that. I mean, right now, <clears throat> the way I see uh, career progression, personal progression, they kind of merge into one thing at this point in my life, or have merged. The way I see them is, I cannot go back. I cannot go back to zero. Back I can right. never go back, right? right, right. It's impossible. Right. There's way too much experience. There's way too much knowledge. There's way too much know-how to go back to zero unless some, you know, I do something ungodly or something unforgivable, you know, which, come on, we know better than that, right? Yeah. Anything can happen, you know, but in, in a sense, everything that we can control at this point in time will not allow us to go back to that point. So right now we can build on it, right? And we're comfortable and we're getting more comfortable as we grow older. And we're using everything that we have as stepping stones to something larger. So I guess it's safe to say that everything that we, that we have now is merely a stepping stone to something bigger that we're going to do in the end. But what it is, we really don't know yet. It could be one idea. It could be several that take off, you know? Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to suggest to any of your, your, your uh, followers to do it. <laughs> Either no, one of us. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely not. I think yeah. right now, if they're listening, it's they're too late in think, life. Yeah. Well, I don't know that it's too late in life, but they might think we were more reckless. It depends on where they're coming from and what their situation is. Because if I was, you know, up until 30, until I was able to actually start saving, not to say like I was broke and ever behind on anything yeah. or ever went wanting for something, but... You're just breaking even on life. I More than breaking even now. Now I'm actually... Now, yes, but before. Yeah, I yeah. was I was breaking even the entire time. Yeah, and so. that, in my opinion, look, uh, and I shared this with you guys offline. I'm not a big fan of savings, and I never have been, just because I know anything can happen. But I guess I'm fortunate enough to where I have a support system that I know that if anything goes wrong, I can get get the help I need if something were to happen, like emergency wise. So I could take a little bit more of a risk with my personal life and my finances. But See, what about the what about the person who doesn't though? Like, you know, what about the person who doesn't have that that safety cushion? Like, it's just them. That's rough. I, I would imagine that's that's pretty rough. So I would probably have to, if I was that person, I would pivot. I would I would change my mindset. And obviously, I would have to have some kind of safety net. But I would have a, a, a kind of like what Randy said, a calculated risk. Right. I mean, for me, I, you know, I look at it as like, what's the worst that can happen? And then how much further down can it go? And it's never going to get that bad. Especially, you know, if I were to lose my job or if I were to uh, quit this and do something else and it doesn't pan out, it's never going to get to the point where I can't make money, right? For me personally. Yeah. You can uh, always work the corner. Whatever I have to do, right? <laughs> I am I am not above working the corner. <laughs> you do live in that area where that I is completely fine. I do live in, in a hotel district where oh, there's nice. a lot of prostitution is what he's referring to. <laughs> um, We've dabbled. <laughs> no, hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but go on. Um, lost my train of thought. Damn it! Uh, you will never be in that situation where, because growing up, I know 
I don't know if I've ever shared this on the podcast or not, but my within my first year, both my parents lost their jobs. And that's something that they've always stressed to me is is not necessarily saving, although they've always said you should be saving or you're spending your money frivolously, stop traveling or well they've never said stop doing anything, but you know, they've always said reconsider, you know advising caution. Right. There you go. Yeah. Um the the thing that I took from it and what I learned from my parents and in their struggles and, and what they've kind of gone through is always making myself employable. Right. And I think I have mentioned how I have my certification to be a substitute teacher. I could be a Lyft driver if I wanted. I'm, I have my little mustache. I have all these different things in play to to t- generate income if my main source were ever to like go away for whatever reason. Not only that, but you have a support system. You have one. You're just not aware of it. I have a support system in the sense of like my parents would never let me go hungry or leave me out in the cold. It goes beyond your parents. You have friends. You have a network. You have people that are there for you. You have people that respect you and regard you as an influence on their lives. Would you say that not not a single person in your network would reach out to you and help you and give you that that assistance, or would that I, be? I wouldn't say that that wouldn't happen, but I don't know that I would. It'd probably be a pride issue. I don't know that I would put okay. it out there that I have that kind of struggle. You know what I mean? I would be more inclined to figure this out on my own. I would rather take uh, a job that I would never would never have considered in the past to make ends meet versus asking for for help in that in that regard what about yeah, you Elby? Uh, i mean i have a support system not financially i think i i think i have the same group of friends that i think that would help me out if given that situation but i think i'm kind of like randy i think my pride will let me really? my that'll be like my last out my last hurrah if, like to like uh, get out know. that system uh, if i i can totally level with you guys and i'm a very prideful person and i i think the same but isn't that why we formulate these relationships and build these networks isn't that why i mean if a friend in our network would would be in that situation would you hesitate to lend them you know some assistance depends on if i had it or not to be honest even if I didn't have it, I would do my best. I would exhaust every resource that I possibly could to help them because I know that I would expect the same thing from them if it ever came down to me being in that situation. You know what? And you're absolutely right. I think, Randy, I think I told you at um, at the uh, birthday party how I had like a bad investment that went sour. Yeah. Yeah. I, I literally lost uh, like uh, everything. I literally lost everything. I literally started at zero and I was living off my credit cards. It was bad. Wow. And um, I never, I'm never the one to ask anybody for money. Never. But I did make like leverage some friendships where I was like, hey, this is the situation, you know, um, had a deal, went bad. Um, but I need to pay. I, I pretty much need to, you know, get from Paul to pay Peter, however that's Rob Peter to pay Paul. Exactly. This is one of those situations. But to know me is to know I'm good for it. I don't owe anybody and I can, you know, say that. But they they came through. They came through. And it was and it and it was good to know because like that like you said, that support system, if they're there, you hope that you never have to go there. Right. With them, but it's good to know that they are there. If really, really if it really came down to the wire. So I mean, but still, I don't, I don't want to go there again. I don't. Absolutely not. And right now, I think we're at that point in our lives where we want to be that person to help someone exactly. else. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. This is what I take pride in, and it's not necessarily monetary. If you're in a hard spot with your career or a relationship or anything like that, which a lot of my friends actually do reach out, and I, I hope that I can give them the value that they need in order to make the right decision. And more times than not. I don't get follow-up, but then I see maybe a Facebook post or uh, something on LinkedIn or something on Twitter that tells me that they're headed in the right direction. I'm like, whether or not I had a hand in that, it doesn't matter. I'm just happy for that person to know that they're on the right path. Right. And that's what I mean by support system. Finances come, finances go. I'm sure we could find a way, like Randy said, to do something completely depraved below what we think we're worth just to make ends meet. Anybody can do that. I can go and get a job at McDonald's hands down. Right. But there's so many different ways of describing a support system because you could have your your family support, your emotional support, and then financial support, right? I mean, so I guess- They all tie in together. Not necessarily. They all should. They, but they no, don't. Okay, they, 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 they don't. They, 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 okay, maybe I should rephrase that. Right. They do. 
overlap a lot more than you think. But if if you sit down and you take a look at it, they will overlap. There will be some kind of overlap to where they all have influence on each other in your life. We just don't necessarily make that connection now because we don't need it. But when our backs are up against the wall and we have to really take a step back and look at where the state of everything, everything is kind of interconnected. Our support system is our network. It's a part of our lives. We carry it around with us wherever we go. It is our identity, right? And and whether or not we acknowledge that now is not the point I was trying to make. It's when we need it, we'll figure it out. We'll, f- we'll put two and two together and identify the fact that, wait, wait a minute, you know, uh, this person is in my network. He's a, you know, I go to him for emotional support, but he can also be financial support. Maybe we don't get to that level with the people in our network yet because we don't have to. Right, that's what you're saying. Right, but when when the time calls for it, I got a friend that has a lot of money, okay, and I might not go to him for emotional support, but then I realize that he's going through some shit and. You know, he's coming to me for emotional support. Now that opens the door for emotional support and he has a lot of money, you know, whether or not I ever need that money or ever need uh, the opportunities that he could provide me. It's not the point. The point is these doors will eventually open up and and they don't necessarily have to connect at, at this point in time, but they will eventually. There is always some overlap with networks. That's what I found at least. And, you know, I really hope that Neither of us or anyone listening has to go through mm-hmm. a point in time where they're they're going through some difficulties. But hey, let's face it, that's life. Yeah. Shit is going to happen. And whether or not you know it, your network will support you in every which way possible. And I think I think the hard part with all of that, it, it all sounds great, but it's also being able to swallow your pride to a point where you're able to ask for help. Because at a certain point, you get to a, a, a state of emotional maturity where you can say you're having a difficult time and need someone to, to talk this out with, or, uh, maybe, maybe you're stuck in a, in a place with a job and you're looking for new opportunities to get out of this, this rut that you're in. But when you hit that rock bottom, I think it takes a lot of, oh yeah, a lot of vulnerability to be able to, to say, I've, I've come to a place that I've, I've never experienced and I need help. Yeah. And you're going to try all these different formulations and solutions to try and figure out and uh, a way to get yourself back beyond zero. Um, and those might not work. And then, like I said, when your back is truly up against the wall, you will realize that you have a support system out there. Like if I need something, I know I can go to any, a number of my friends, whether or not they'll be able to help me is beside the point, but I will slowly identify who is and who isn't crucial to my development as I progress through this downturn. And I think that goes back to a conversation that we had about identifying, you know, the fair weather friends from the true, you know, integral people in your life. Yeah. Um, It really, it's ringing truer and truer as we get older and older. Absolutely. Right. I always say that um, we now can test or measure our friendships by um, who shows up in those monumental points in our life. Right. Weddings, baby showers, things like that. You know what I mean? Because that's how you gauge it. Cause I'm something, I mean, a lot of us are not able to hang out like as much as we used to. Right. Um, I know like a lot of my married friends, like, like Ralph, for example, yeah. I live down, I live 10 minutes down the street from oh, this really? guy. Yeah. I live in Rancho. He lives in Fontana 10 minutes, but you'd be amazed like how often I see him on a day, on a day to day basis. We, we, we got better now because we work out together now. But before that, <laughs> it was like, I think in March before his, when I saw you, Randy, I think, the first, last of my song was maybe like three months before that. Really? You know what I mean? And it's, that's, I mean, that's just life. You know what I mean? It's just life. People have different responsibilities. We can't hang out like we, like late, late nights and all right. day, every day, like we used to. So right. it's fine. But it's kind of like when somebody says, hey, I'm expecting a baby, having a baby shower. Can you come by? Or, you know, here's the invitation. And you don't, it's like, and you don't really have a reason why you don't. You know what I mean? It's kind of like. Why you couldn't come? It's kind of like uh, I like to believe that people who have kids and you send out the invite. I, feel, I like to feel like you kind of feel a certain type of way. You're kind of like uh, okay, yeah. all right. Or I just bought a house. I have a housewarming. Here, here's the invite. You don't show up. Mm, yep. Okay. Like I may not. You may not call them again for the next right. thing. You know what I mean? And you kind of yeah. just goes. Go, it just goes from there. And again, like that time when I was at at a, at a very down part of my life. It was good to know that I could pull that card. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's it doesn't make any sense. 
to call people friends if they can do friendly duties for you yeah. in such a situation. You know what I mean? Because otherwise you just you're just either associate or you're just him. You know yeah. what I mean? And you really kind of start doing inventory like that. You have to. But I think you guys hit on a very crucial point. Pride factors into a lot of these relationships. And pride is a lot of the reasons why I haven't been able to form deep relationships with a lot of the people in my network. And I'm slowly trying to reel that back in. And it could be because of a lot of my approach. I come on strong to some people, I guess. Some people aren't used to that. And they're like, oh, wait, you know, who the fuck is this guy? And other people are just like, you know, uh, they're, they're not looking for anything at this point in time. But yeah. there, there will be there will be that juncture where, you know, that relationship will proliferate. You know, it doesn't have to happen now. But like you said, at least you have that in your back pocket and you have some kind of rapport with that person yeah. to where you could pick up from where you left off and say, hey, look, you know what? This is where I'm at and I need some help. And swallow your pride. And they see that and they're able to learn from that experience. And the world is a better place as a result, right? You yeah. change the world one person at a time. Yeah. There's no way that you can go through and just run run the mill on, you know, I want to change everyone, you know, in my network. No, your relationships resonate with people and they leave a long-lasting impression. Like this podcast has really changed the dynamic between Randy and myself. And we're really learning well how to work with each other. Learning well how to work with each other because we're learning from our guests, learning from our conversations, and learning from all the feedback that we're getting on to how to improve not only this podcast, but as a, as an indirect result ourselves. Right. Yeah, so it's absolutely. really interesting how these kinds of things work. Nice. All right. So that about wraps it up with our guest, Obi. Uh, Obi, you want to tell us uh, how people can find you? You can find me on uh, IG at O-O-K-O-N-K-O-O and at uh, Teachers Lounge 90210. Perfect. Turg. You guys can find me at Turg Says No on Twitter and Instagram. Please feel free to reach out at me there. And Randy, how about you? And you can find me at I am Randy Z on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure you stop by our website at talk30tome.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on iTunes, and if you really like what you hear, make sure you hit that donate button. Really appreciate it. For Talk 30 to Me, I'm Turg. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. Let's keep one of these out for the blooper reel. So when you do that, you just edit it out? Yeah. Yeah, it'll sound organic. Completely organic, yeah. That was like the longest fucking tangent, bro. That was- <laughs> I know. I was trying to get to a point and I wasn't there and the rain's distracting me and now I'm getting congested again. So- a bunch of things. Um, I'm going to have to take a break real quick. I think I left my windows rolled down. If you want to find Sankeys, you can find them at S-A-N-K-E-Y-Z. On right? Twitter? On Instagram. On everything. Hey, you're not supposed to talk. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's all right. His mic's not on anyway. And I am... All right, Obi. Thanks for coming on the show with us. Hey, we really appreciate it having no you No problem. Thank you for the... Oh my god.
my train of thought. No, it's it's nice. 